Help, the human's about to escape. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! <gasps> he can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk! I can sing! Ooh, help me, Dr. Zayus! Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Oh, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Want a second opinion? You're also lazy. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Sayus, Dr. Sayus. Oh, Dr. Sayus. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Are you a pet? No. Not a pet. No! I need a more aggressive fire strain. A faster delivery method. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is the fifth and final week for Planet of the Apes Month. And I have really been looking forward to this one. But before we get into all that, introductions are in order. So I am Scott, uh, Chief Defender of the Faith Gardener. And joining me is my, my co-host, the lousiest human bastard that I know, Chris Honeywell. Oh, oh! You damn dirty ape! <laughs> How's it going, man? Good. I think it's fair to say <laughs> that you and I are fairly psyched. Yeah. Because next to um, Escape, this is the one that you know. Actually, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I think I've actually been looking forward to this one the most. Actually. I was just much going, I love Escape. I was just getting ready to sort of form the same sentence actually <laughs> i love you know actually just looking back on planet of the apes month um i had way more fun than i ever thought i was gonna ha- I'm, i mean you know me i love monkey movies and so i was pretty psyched for planet of the apes month but i hadn't watched those movies since i was a little kid except for planet of the apes mm-hmm. and um and um beneath which i watched a long time you know over 20 years ago with you back on our monroe avenue 
I right. think we watched it like maybe when we were having that garage sale on the porch out one day. Yeah, because they had just come out on uh, on VHS. Yeah. And uh, and I remember being a little underwhelmed by Beneath. But and and then you were you were being a little wet blanket with like battle of like where you were like ah, I don't know if I really want to do a <laughs> be on the commentary for battle and I was and my memories of battle and uh, conquest were not you know. They were good memories because I loved them as a kid, but then I was thinking these are not going to stand up, you know, to the right. to the adult brain. And surprisingly, both of them really, I I really enjoyed both of them and found merit even in the made-for-TV style of of battle. There was enough in there to just like it's like John Houston is an ape. <laughs> so, everything's been like a big pleasant surprise. And finally, to just cap it off, this movie, which was sort of the opposite of um, um, the um, what was it, ninety-eight Godzilla, the the uh, right, yeah, um, where I got really pumped up for that, and I was kind of let down for it. I got really worked up for this movie when it came out, and. Uh, ended up not being <laughs> disappointed at right. all but i haven't this came out when 2011 i haven't watched it since it came since i saw it in the theater has it been that long already yeah wow and uh so this was my first rewatch of it you know in preparation for this show and oh, oh boy i really like this movie this may be my favorite planet of the apes movie of, well, of the funny, whole batch. You know, when, when we were sitting down to prepare all this for Planet of the Apes month, of course, I went through and I watched all the films. The only one that uh, I didn't rewatch was Battle. And I rewatched, of course, this one that we're going to be talking about in a moment. And so I've already watched it. And then, you know, uh, when you and I were, were setting up a time to record this for today, uh, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if I should watch it one more time. And I was kind of on the fence about it. So I asked my youngest boy, Logan, who had sat with me before. You know, the last time I watched this, he sat and watched it with me then and really enjoyed the movie. So I asked him today, I said, uh, you know, I'm thinking about watching Rise again because, you know, I'm going to be recording with your Uncle Chris later. Do you want to watch it? And I thought he'd be like, nah, you know, we just watched it. And he did say that. He goes, well, didn't we just watch that one? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, let's watch it again. And I'm like, okay. So we watched it again. And we both you know, had the same reaction walking away. And I was like, damn, that's a good movie. I can't wait for the new one to come out. Mm -hmm. And then we went to the mall uh, to pick up dinner tonight. Because Friday nights usually, you know, we treat ourselves to one takeout night. And so we went to the mall because uh, he and I wanted some Oriental food. And uh walk in and the entrance that we use for our local mall is like the theater entrance and it's it, the theater is actually on the upper level and you know you walk in and like the ticket booth is right ahead of you and then on the upper level is the actual theater you know the concessionary and everything and what is up there this huge banner for dawn and i was like ooh, and it had the date on it and everything because i knew it was sometime next month but i couldn't remember what the date was it is actually two weeks from the moment we are in right now two weeks from today it comes out. So by the time the listeners hear this, you know, it's even that much less of time. So not long at all. And I can't wait because I think it looks really good. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? That Well, you know, trailers are designed to do that. 
you know, and this tra- and the trailers for this make it look like it's all action, but it just has right. several shots that just get my blood pumping. Well, the thing with, now after rewatching this, oh, right. Well, the thing is, is I, I'm starting to see some strong parallels between another very recent movie that I was nervously, cautiously optimistic for, which was uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. I love the last one so much. Right. And the last one was a surprise out of nowhere, blow my socks off hit for me personally. I kind of had the same thing going with with this movie with rise of the planet of the apes is that i kind of sort of followed its development when it was you know before it came out but i wasn't i i I think this is one of the few times in recent movie history where i really was fairly successful at at quashing my enthusiasm and and going in without being really psyched up for it because i was very nervous i thought you know it's where uh, reboot syndrome was just kind of starting to set yeah. in for me where I was like, you know, I don't, really don't I, I'm really excited this. that they're doing another Planet of the Apes, but I don't know. I'm probably not going to like it. And I walked out of that movie going, oh my God, I love that movie. See, and I, I still see, I, see, I let myself succumb to be getting really excited about it and even more towards its credit, it didn't let me. So I went in with expectations i don't know if it was expectations or just high hopes but right um oh yeah it you know and as soon as i heard john lithgow's name was associated with it somebody was thinking in the right direction right but you know this one here you know much like you know the 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 new x-men just came out and i was really nervous that okay you know first class was a big hit but, you know, as soon as they start talking sequel, then they start changing things. They change director, they change composer, all that sort of thing. The sort of thing, that same sort of thing was beginning to shape up for Dawn is I'm pretty sure it's a different director. I'm pretty sure it's a different composer. And, you know, the story is a good number of years after the first. I started to get a little bit nervous. It's like, you know, I, I really want to go back and revisit this world. I'm I'm so into the character and everything. But... Is it going to be as good? And I was getting a little bit nervous, especially because James Franco, to the best of my knowledge, was not going to be in the movie. And, you know, I, I understand that he has his detractors and that's fine. Personally, I like the guy. I like him a lot. And I, he's one of the things that really helps sell this movie for me. I like his portrayal in this movie. But anyway, that aside. Yeah, we'll get into uh, that. In the- spoiler. There was a... Uh, a trailer I saw. I think it was when I went to see. I think it's, it's when I went to see X Men. I forget. It was one one of my recent trips to the cinema. There was a trailer because I've been trying to avoid everything about this movie. I watched the very first trailer they put out, and then I've avoided everything else because I don't want to be spoiled. But unfortunately, you go to the theater. You know, there you are. The trailers are right there. So I think it was when I went to see X Men or something else very recent at the theater. There was a, a trailer. And there is a scene that looks like it, it at least it touches on, yeah, it touches on existence. Franco's character. So, yeah, exactly. So they're not completely just, you know, writing him, you know, whether he appears or not, I don't know. But, you know, they are at least acknowledging what has come before. So more than likely, there'll be a line of dialogue, you know, explaining his his absence or whatever. But looking forward to that. 
Um, before we go ahead and dive into this, uh, into the episode proper, though, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, all the commentaries that we had done and uh, especially about battle and everything. I, I just want to once again, uh, I, I want to throw out some thank yous. And I want to once again, of course, thank Tim Elliott, who was the sponsor uh, for Planet of the Apes Month proper here on Two True Freaks. By the way, guys, uh, I don't know if I've talked this up enough. I feel like maybe I haven't. Planet of the Apes Month was not confined to just two true freaks. Back to the Bins also participated in uh, in Planet of the Apes Month uh, and had four episodes that covered, you know, all the Marvel comic stuff, the adventure comic stuff, a little mini series called um, Revolution on the Planet of the Apes that was set between Conquest and Battle, uh, put out by a company called Mr. Comics, and then. Uh, by the time you're hearing this episode, I'm pretty sure it will be out. Uh, the last uh, episode that we did was covering the Boom Studio stuff, the recent stuff. If you haven't listened to those, check them out. They're really, really solid, uh, especially the one that uh, Paul and Bill did solo you know, without me. Um, they covered the Mr. Comic stuff. That one came out really well as, as or really good as well. So it was a really solid episode. But we, had, we just had a blast talking Apes comics. So if you haven't heard those, check them out. A lot of fun. And uh, I'm actually, I'm sad that that Apes Month is winding. I as, know. You know it's, it's all winding down now. But of course, I'm sure we'll we'll figure out a way to do some sort of a, you know, an episode covering the new movie once everybody has seen it and everything. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, at a garage sale today, I just remember this. We were talking about this earlier, but I forgot to mention it. I, I bought a whole bunch of complete card sets and one of them is tim burton's planet of the apes oh wow <laughs> trading cards which we didn't but well i think we talked in the last one why we weren't gonna bother yeah, with it. <laughs> yeah. i am surprised though that nobody called us out on it like oh really you're skipping that one i up. wouldn't be you opposed know, someday to doing a commentary on it or a show about it you yeah. know it's just it, i i'm enjoying not having something that I have to tear apart. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing it. I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't mind doing it. I just didn't want to do it I, as part of Apes Month. I have a lot of good things to say to about other. it, but by the end of the commentary, I'm sure it's going to leave a sour taste as the movie did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me, anyway. A uh, couple other quick thank yous. I want to definitely make sure to uh, thank Luke Giaconetti for uh, helping us out with Conquest. I listened to the episode. I thought it was fantastic. I was so uh, upset that I didn't get to be in on that one, but it just it, it came down to simple scheduling. I actually did really want to be a part of the, the Conquest one, but uh, I, I just couldn't make it for that one. So I appreciate that uh, you know Luke really, you know, he brought his A game on that one as he always does. You know, I, I don't know how much he, he says about this publicly, but kind of behind the scenes, uh, I'll, I'll kind of let the listeners peek behind the curtains. I, I think a lot of times Luke's kind of down on his skills as a podcaster. And I wish he wasn't because Luke is a hell of a good podcaster. And whenever he comes in and, and does movie related stuff with us, the guy just blows me away. Well, yeah, we have to be on and, our toes, man. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, he really... Uh, he really bucked up an episode that I was a little bit nervous about. I, I was nervous that if you and I had done it together, I think, or even if I had participated in the one uh, that you guys did, you know, if I, I had been third wheel in that one, I, I still feel like maybe the, the level of enthusiasm would have been ratcheted down a bit because I'm not all that keen on that one. So I, 
I was actually kind of glad to, to, you know, once I heard it that I wasn't a part of it because I didn't want to be the wet blanket. You know what I mean? But I mean, he was really enthusiastic about the movie and uh, and brought a, a, an energy to the episode that I really, really liked. So I wanted to make sure to thank uh, Luke for sitting in on that one. Also, uh, I wanted to thank Paul Spataro and Andy Leyland for uh, basically taking a bullet for the team and doing battle. But again, they were really enthusiastic about that movie. I would have, I would have enthusiastically. Uh done a, a battle commentary I, I i was like okay i'm just gonna watch this because i plan you know i'm like planning on listening to their commentary too and i wanted to watch it before i watched it with with them talking over it and uh and i am about i was about halfway through the movie and i'm like you know i'm really enjoying the hell out of this you know I'm not about to give it an Oscar or put it up in the high ranks of the Planet of the Apes movie, but it's got the stuff I like in it, you know? It's just the, it's this cheesiest version. I mean, when it gets to the end and it's apes chanting, ape has killed ape, ape has killed ape. How awesome is that, you know? in any context <laughs> you know there's individual scenes that are and we get our first kid ape so and paul williams who's almost like a kid ape <laughs> but no i i really enjoyed their commentary i enjoyed it a lot because again they they brought you know they were very enthusiastic about the movie they were reviewing they they gave you some stuff to think about they pointed out the the points where they thought that the movie actually worked on a good number of levels and uh and then where it didn't work they didn't shy away from it they right. didn't just try to sugarcoat it like you know it was a flawless movie they pointed out no you know they Good reused the same shot like 15 times in the yeah you know in the final battle and stuff like that so i like that i thought they they struck a really nice balance between really playing up what they like about the movie and why they were defending it but also, you know, tempering it with, yeah, well, you know, it has its issues and here's one of them kind yeah. of thing. Whereas I, I, I will be completely honest. You just don't like it. The reason I say that they, I, I don't like it. I, you know, I, I'm, the reason I say that they took a bullet for the team is that I just didn't want to have to do it. it I'm just going to come clean. I really didn't want to have to do that one because I know that my take on it would have been completely different and almost completely negative because i just don't enjoy that one i think it fails on on so many levels but after listening to them i was impressed by the things they pointed out where the movie is actually a little bit deeper than i would have given it the credit yes. i mean somebody was actually thinking about it whereas you know before listening to them talk about it i was one of the people they were talking about you know because they said they mentioned several times in their commentary oh you know this one's often just kind of sloughed off as that's ah, a cheap piece of crap i'm one of those people so i am actually interested now to go back and watch it again after listening to them talk about it and and see if maybe they've you know raised it a few bars in my opinion which i think the best commentaries or the best you know reviews of something you know, when, they, when they're really good and they really do their job, that's the best kind of reviews is when maybe you have an opinion of something and somebody's able to kind of sway you the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, either yeah. make you see the flaws in it if you thought it was perfect or make you see the good stuff in it if you thought it was crap. So, you know, kudos to them. But again, just wanted to make sure everybody got, uh, got thanked properly because I really did appreciate uh, everybody's uh, enthusiasm for uh, Planet of the Apes Month. And 
as I say, kind of sad that it's uh, it's going to be all over. But before it's over, we've got this awesome movie to uh, to yak all the way through. Yeah. So, uh, I am paused at uh, at zero zero, as I believe you are as well. I'm pretty much ready to roll whenever you are. All right. You want me to give the countdown? Give the official countdown. All right, I'm counting down from three. When I say go, you go. You watch movie. We watch movie. We talk. Okay. Three, two, one, go. All right, here we go. 20th century. Now, does it give the extended fanfare on this one? Because I don't think it does. I don't think so. Um... What was I going to say? I forgot completely oh, it does. what I was going to say right it off does. the bat. Hey, that's a great start. I was listening to somebody uh, calling out 20th Century Fox for suddenly overusing the uh, the extended fanfare a lot. Like, I think it might have been Scott Rife, and, and, but he may be right because, yeah, they used it right there. Because that's only supposed to be for particular movies that are using, oh, what is it? The, I forget what it's called now what that extension is that extensions for a certain ratio of the, the screen oh. or something i forget what it's called now i don't know what i'm talking about well this is a wide widescreen movie yeah but you know it's like star wars was shot what was the what was the thing i don't know i'll look it up after the show i don't know what i'm talking about i love that it opens in over a jungle mhm i'm surprised i was actually like when i when i queued this up to watch it last time i was like oh you know i wonder if it's going to open up on the ocean you know on a shoreline that would be awesome that would have been a nice if they could figure out a way to bring it in that way there's plenty of shoreline around africa they could open on the shoreline and then flipped around as a little and all of a sudden you're in the jungle from like open ocean into the jungle but it would have been it would have been too much of a little nod and a wink and oh, I know what I was gonna say. This movie is on, like only like about ten or fifteen minutes longer than a normal Planet of the Apes movie, mm-hmm. but those o- o- only had like four and a half seconds of credits, and this right. has about ten minutes. So, so one thing I'm noting is about the same length as all the other Planet of the Apes movies. So, somebody right. really thought about doing this movie. It's not your average reboot redo. Um, I was reading somewhere that, uh, you know, this movie, I don't know if you know this, but this movie is rife, and I mean rife, with Easter eggs and nods and acknowledgments to the prior Apes films. And some of them are, are so, you know, obscure that you actually have to work at figuring out, you know, what they are. You, you won't even catch them. One that I didn't catch, I actually read it somewhere, is the thing that... Uh, that James Franco invents, you know, the the thing that, you know, makes Caesar smart, the ALZ-112. The 112 is an acknowledgement of the running time of the first oh, Planet of the Apes movie. And I mean, come on, how, how obscure a reference You're is right. that, you know? But... This was the first movie... Let me think about this statement a second before I say it, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. This was the first movie I think I've ever seen with CGI where it was almost flawless. And there were moments where I really thought, man, that must be a real chimp in this scene. I often wonder if they were cutting real 
chimps in, but I I have to think that they weren't because no. it would be so different probably than the CG sh- chimps that they would want to keep it. I mean, there's a little bit of like the face of it and the way the head moves. Right. It's a little bit CG, but and and I think another thing that makes it even harder for them to sell that is it's not a fantastical creature. It's just a right. straight up, you know, chimp. And now this guy here, uh, Jacobs, gets his name from Arthur P. Jacobs, the the what was he, the producer, I think, of the Jeez. original films. You see, I've, I've heard just, also that I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just more into they. They pay a lot of tribute to just the ideas oh, and the yeah. execution of the other apes movies in this because I'm I'm going to say this isn't an, like an Oscar winning film this isn't like a masterpiece of writing and storytelling although it's written wonderfully and directed wonderfully it's it's a A grade B movie you know the story of it is pure pulp you know the things that happen in it are not just like the other Planet of the Apes, they're realistic enough to be up to our reality levels of, you know, 21st century film film viewers. But when you start thinking about all the stuff, you know, they just rush things. They rush certain things along just to keep the story going and stuff like that. And that's very much like the original Planet of the Apes movies. Very much so. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be pointing out some as we go along. But you may have actually hit on something that I was thinking about not long ago. There was a listener, I think this was on our Facebook group, I'm, I forget, but there was a listener that basically um, not so much called me out, but just called into question, hey, why do you like this movie so much? Because you don't like reboots and, and fiddling around with timelines and all that, so why do you like this movie so much is the question they put to me. And I had to really think about that because... While you can make an argument that this movie is a prequel to the original Apes film, Beyond Beneath, it rewrites the history so that escape, conquest, and battle never happen. Now, I'm okay with conquest and battle never happening, but taking escape out of the equation kind of bugs me a little bit because I love that movie, you know? But I I think what you hit on is the fact that, yeah, this the tone of it is very much like the tone of the other sequels to Planet of the Apes. We're in a few years when this one's got a little more age on it. You know, some of the, some of the cheese might show through a little bit more. And I think that actually lends into it that much more. Yeah, no, no, it's, I, I'm, as I get older, you know, I like really, you know, top level sci-fi Mm-hmm. Super intelligent, you know, if you make it into a movie, Oscar style, you know, great sci-fi. But I think the best science fiction is the sort of pop science fiction that's not stupid. It's exactly. smart, but it's not, you know, this is not scientific. <laughs> this movie is not about really real science. They're, you know, if a real scientist is probably watching them talk about medicine and stuff and looking at the lab going, this is bullshit. But it does, but, it's, you know, it's about ideas is what it's where about, it, like the other ones. Exactly, exactly. And that's its strength because I was so happy that the next to most recent time that I watched this, 
my wife was in the room as as we were watching it as I started the movie and when you know she's asking me what what is this what are you putting on and I wouldn't tell her what it was because I was afraid her reaction would be like oh okay I'll be in the other room you know so I didn't tell her I just let it play and I let her kind of get sucked into the movie before she realized what it was going to be and by that point hooked because it's an intelligent story and I like that I that I think was always you know, of the original Planet of the Apes movies that worked well were the ones that could appeal to people that, you know, they might initially roll their eyes and go, really seriously, talking apes. But if they give it a minute, the next thing you know, they were sucked right in. Because uh, I forget how many of them are, but several of the original Apes films are G-rated movies. I know the very yes. first one is, despite having cuss words, despite having a bare ass, despite all of the violence in that movie, the original Planet of the Apes is a G-rated movie. So when I was working in both video sales and video rental for years, that was a movie that I could slide under the radar and play on the playlist because it was G-rated. We could only play G-rated movies in most of the places I worked at. So I would slide it onto the, onto the playlist. And I can remember in a lot of instances where customers would come into the store and they'd be like, what is this? And they would either get sucked immediately into it because it would be a part without the apes. So then they were kind of sucked into the story before the apes were revealed. Or they would see the apes and, you know, talking and go like, oh, God. But the next thing you know, five minutes later, they're standing there watching Still the watching movie. It. And yeah, it's, yeah I, I, and I, this movie plays the same way for me. I, I think it's the strength of the characters and the storytelling that, yeah, you know, the, the science might be complete ridiculous comic book stuff, but you get sucked in anyway. And there's an emotional core to it. There, oh, absolutely. This, this is a very emotional movie. Very and emotional. At movie. the same time, it's. I don't want to say it's an anti-human movie, but I'm on the side of the apes in this movie for the most part. <laughs> and um, as we were saying before, I, we were recording and maybe have hinted at a little bit. There's a lot of lot of James Franco hate out there, and I gotta say, in this movie, I think James Franco's better as an actor. I like oh, James I Franco like, as an like actor. I think he's better in comedic roles. All right, hang on. There's 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 something here coming up that. Uh, another right here. Easter egg. Right there. Mm-hmm. Right there, Honeywell. He's not a monkey. Oh, I'm He's aware. An ape. I know I'm being bastard. a dick when I say that. <laughs> I just had to point it out. I, 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 I'm making a point of being a dick when I do that. You, yeah, I, I wondered about that because for, for four weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> now I just When I was watching it today, I just had to chuckle at that part. But no, I agree with you. I... I you know, don't I think like the guy. I think he's kind of stiff in this movie, but I like that. It kind of reminds me of some of the '70s actors who are not. But I don't want to put him in the category of he's not a very good actor. And at the same point, I don't think much of his character as a person. I think this guy. I mean. I have sympathy for him because he's really he's driven by his love of his father and wanting and, you know, his father is obviously, you know, the person he's modeled himself after and looks up to. And his father was very intelligent. And uh, 
he makes a lot of really bad decisions in this movie. His his character is just not... well, he he's put into a bad position because where I will defend him is you know the scene that we just saw. You know he could not kill a baby, right? You know and and you know he owed. Well, that's the thing. His he's he's actually not that he should have killed the baby, but he's. It's his it's his weakness, sort of his right. his desire to have his father back makes him completely weak, and he's kind of a wishy washy character to begin with. He's he's not wishy washy, but he's not really he's not a focused young genius, you know. He's focused on on saving his dad and saving the world, and later on they sort of absolve him from all the trouble from his stuff by, you know, having the company take over everything. So all of a sudden the goals aren't as, as maybe altruistic as his, but you know, I mean the down, the downfall of mankind pretty much rests on James Franco's characters back. This is true. And, and, and this movie and there's, and even towards the end of the movie, and I'm sure they wrote it that way. He kind of doesn't get it. All the way through this, he kind of doesn't get what the... And maybe it's because he can't get past the fact that he's basically, you know, Caesar's father. Right. Well, that's what I like. This is the other scene that wins me over right here is you can see, you know, the beginning of... You know, he, he warned his dad, don't get too attached, but right here, yeah. he's getting attached. And I, I like this a lot. I, I don't think he gets enough credit. I really don't. I like his uh, I like his portrayal in this quite a bit. My car keys, where'd you put them? Dad. I mean, I can see where people might see him as a little bit stiff or whatever, but I think he's playing it close. That, uh, you he could have he could have he could have hammed it up a little for this movie because it's a pop. He could have, but he's supposed to be for one he's a scientist. Right. But for also, you know, he he's dealing with all this, you know, his dad is dying withering away in front of his eyes and he's trying to hold it together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way I see. He's the trying portrayal. to be the responsible adult, but at the right. same time, in his trying to do that, in his trying to hold on to his dad, and all that, we'll see that in a scene coming up with um, when um, his personal caretaker <laughs> walks out, right, and is just like, "You're not handling this correctly. You know, he sh- he shouldn't be in your house," which is the same with the monkey. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's. Uh, He's he's got that he's got Caesar on the in the house on the slide too. Right here was uh, it's funny because seeing this on the small screen, whatever it was that I noticed doesn't it's it doesn't jump out as much as it did. But seeing this in the theater, you know, for the first time, this was the only CGI part that didn't quite work for me. He has that that CGI. Because uh, he's growing weightlessness to him. Yes, and it was it was the only part in the CGI that didn't quite work to me. It didn't quite feel a hundred percent real. You know, it's one of those things where, and I know you've mentioned this a lot of times before that with CGI, sometimes there's just things that the there's not anything Valley. wrong with the with the CGI, but there's moments where something happens and it's. Your brain is not fooled. There's something about yes. the way real living things move and operate. 
you know, to where your your brain can tell the difference. That was one of the few moments, but from pretty much from this point forward in the movie, there were a lot of instances where I was really sucked in and thinking, you know, that wow, look what they they made this chimpanzee do. And my understanding from watching, you know, all the bonus features and all the documentaries that are on the disc and everything is that no, there weren't any chimps. It was all CGI stuff, which is pretty incredible when yeah. you think about it. Pretty nice uh, acting by you hear the ice cream truck come in in the background. Ice cream. <laughs> um. By Lithgow. It's just. Yeah, Lithgow is such a he's such a great actor. See, I didn't know he was going to be in this. When he showed up, you know, when I was watching this the first time in the theater, I was oh, you so excited. To, yeah. <laughs> oh, cuz I I like him. I've always liked him. Now, here's something I noticed. Okay, so we're getting the security camera, right? The, the right. director makes a point of showing you this is on video that he's being observed in there. So he loads Chekhov's security camera, but never fires it later in the film. Well, I think that I think that was just a uh, artistic way of making the scene, sort of communicating in that scene that what he's doing is on the sly and illicit. Right. You know, we're watching it through security. He's sort of, it's it's sort of him picturing himself through the security camera in a way. You right. know, he's because he's self-aware. Of, of what he's doing. And the first. <laughs> well, no, this isn't the first, but yeah. One of many moves of his that are just like over overreaching, <laughs> leading right. to the downfall. I like that little moment. It's a nice fade, too. Yeah. See, I think that CG moment didn't work very well because it was being an artistic passage of time right. type of thing with him growing and, you know, it's it's not supposed to be taken literally and stuff. But, yeah, I agree with you. It, it didn't really... Well, see, they had, even with young Caesar, the mocap was Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. So when Andy Circus is playing, you know, grown-up Caesar, that works. But when he's playing like, like little boy Caesar, the the weight ratio is not right because you know Andy Circus is a grown man. Right. So they're having to adjust for that in the CGI, and it creates a, a, a weird sense of the weight of the character not being quite quite right. I don't know if I'm making any sense. But... Right, right, no. See, this scene is pure... Th this whole sequence is pure manipulation mm -hmm. <laughs> by the filmmaker, and it's awesome, you know. Mm -hmm. the, 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 his, his neighbor is such a dick. Uh, you know, I mean, you do have dicks like that in real life, but, you know... Just most people don't react to chimps with violence. I like that this all plays in to everything in the film because Will had already said in the voiceover that, you know, Caesar liked puzzles and he knew how to, he was very mechanically inclined. 
So he was watching the little boy. He saw the chain come off the bicycle. That's the whole reason he went in there was to fix the kid's bike. Later on, there's a great shot when he's in the ape house. There's a shot of Caesar observing how the winch works that opens the windows at the top of the of the ape house. It's the same technology, you know. It's it's just a bicycle chain on a on a you know on a wheel. I like that. It all feeds into you know how he's so mechanically inclined and able to figure out how to escape and things like that. I, I just think that's really cool. It's very subtly done. I love this. This is a great scene. They all just stop and like, what? (laughs) (laughs) They all freak out. That's great. When they have him in clothes and stuff, it's funny how much he looks like the original. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, evidently, she's a, a big star back in her native country. I failed to write her name down. I don't remember what her name is. See, uh, another thing is I'm surprised she stayed with James Franco as long as she did. In right. This movie. <laughs> I The second time through, I kept thinking that, like, somewhere they broke up, you know, where she was just like, I can't take this with you anymore. But, no, she pretty much sticks with him through the whole movie. She's, yeah. uh, she's a trooper. He would be a really frustrating person to be in a relationship with. I would be more. I would be more excited about, you know, my boyfriend having a, a an intelligent ape. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that scene between them, though. They're they're really good at capturing. You know, simian body language. You know, he's intelligent, but, you know, it's a far cry from the Roddy McDowell walking upright, talking, you know, being humans. Mm -hmm. So he's very, very chimp. You know, everything is, you know, his way of expressing himself, of laughing, is exactly the way real chimps laugh. Mm -hmm. And the way they sort of, like, they tip their head back a lot when they're doing stuff and almost aren't even looking at in the direction of where they're doing, you know, it's just this weird body language and circus has it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, he's the unsung hero of this movie because he's the guy that's doing, he's the Ray Harry, but it goes so far beyond mocap because, you know, up to this point, mocap was pretty much, you know, put a bunch of dots on the body of the performer. In this instance, Andy Serkis, I, I mean, if, if you guys listening have not seen the documentaries for this movie, check it out because it's absolutely amazing what they did because, you know, he has all the mocap dots on his body, but he had them all over his face like measles. And then he was wearing a camera rig that actually like was filming his face the entire time when he was performing and capturing even like the movements of his eye like where his eyes were looking so when you're seeing caesar in this movie that all of his performance is andy circus they just went back in over it later and you know cgi'd him into a chimpanzee 
but I mean, those are his actual facial expressions and emotions and it's just okay. it, it, absolutely incredible delivery. See what we're getting here? We're adding a new little little twist to the Planet of the Apes mythos that give permission. Right. Hand stroke. Right. I love it. You get it's 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 just so in line with the other movies, you know. It adds little little things that that are going to turn up. And another thing I love about this movie, and just from watching the trailers of the new movie coming out, I'm seeing that they really were setting up the sequel in this movie. Mm-hmm. They did it in a way to where, okay, if this flops, whatever, it it's not like boom boom, we're setting up the sequel, but. They just add little things that you don't. I didn't really notice the first time I saw it, but now that I sort of know what the storyline is coming up, it's just like, damn, man, they were, they were, they were. That's the thing that's a little different from the other Planet of the Apes movies. The other Planet of the Apes movies had the feel of like, after the original, each sequel was kind of like, all right, we got one more shot at this. Oh, right. They <laughs> they had Star Trek syndrome because they were not planning in advance. So every time the the one before did just enough on the success, they they'd go ahead and they'd green light one more for a little bit less budget, you know, and they that's how they made them the same way they made you know, the Star Trek movies. That's why the Star Trek movies play the way they do and each one is, you know, a very unique Right. individual film instead of like feeding into one another because they were made the exact same way I, I agree with you though I don't think that they were thinking sequel when they were making this movie but you know they were what, keeping what it I lined like, they had that I think they had the storyline for the next movie for sure they had the storyline of the next movie right I like that. I mean, what what really made me feel good was that I walked out of this movie in love with the movie, but then I was scared to death that it would just be a one-off. I was afraid that nobody else would like it. You know, that nobody I, what I was really afraid of was that nobody would go to see it. You know, after the the bad taste that the Burton film left in in moviegoers' mouths and everything, and this was kind of a quiet movie when it came out. There was not a lot of fanfare about it. They didn't really play it up. So I was afraid that that either people wouldn't like it if they did see it, but I was mostly afraid people wouldn't go see it. And then when it became, you know, what it became, and then especially when they greenlit a sequel, I was just thrilled because to me it's like, all right, Planet of the Apes is back. This is great. I think they were very smart not to hype it up because I think that made the crit. I like here he's ju- he's starting he's adolescent and starting mm-hmm. to realize you know this yep. this thing's bullshit, and he just saw you know he just saw a dog leashed, right, and you know. So partially he was asserting himself against a dog. Partially he was just realizing I'm a pet like him. I love the facial expressions. There's so much. I mean, I don't speak signs. I don't know what he's saying. Yet I'm able to follow this entire conversation. That's what I like about it. There's so much emotion. And you can see, you know, he's troubled and he's he's starting to work things out. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is a big moment. You, you can that shot of her is great because you can see she's realizing this is like, 
major developmental moment there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's growing up. He's growing up. And I, I like what you said about him being kind of a moody teenager. Yeah, that's, that's where it's coming from. I mean, this happens in people's lives, you know, human people that, you know, they get to a particular point in their lives and they start to question things, you yeah, know, who like am I, parent, where am I? This is a parent, sit down parent, and tell parent and child. Adopted and yeah, yeah, very much so. This reminds me in a lot of ways of, you know, another one of our favorite monkey movies, you and me, is uh, Greystoke, The Legend of yes. Tarzan, which yes. we really need to do a commentary for that one day. God, I haven't watched but, that since it came out. In the oh, I haven't seen that movie in years, but I'm, I'm sure it still holds up pretty well. At least I hope it does anyway. But there was a great moment in that where he has to come to terms with the fact that his mother, his ape mother, was not his natural born mother. And that troubles him. It bothers him. This is kind of the same thing you know, where Caesar's realizing, you know, that, you know, he loves James Franco. You know, he raised him, you know, from a from a baby and everything. But he's figured out that he's we a don't, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, we don't look the same. We're, you know, because that's how I interpret again, not reading sign. That's how I interpret that one gesture that he made is. You know, James Franco says, well, I'm your father. And he Caesar just has this look like, well, you're a white guy and I'm a chimp. How does that work? Yeah. You know, that's how I interpret that scene. anyway. Well, yeah. And and he's realizing his mother was the only one with the intelligence before him. So he's like kind of one of a one off. Right. And he can't be a human and he's not a pet. So, yeah. What is what is Where he? Does he fall? Yeah, exactly. And they don't, and they don't like hammer home any of the, you know, points they're trying to make. They don't really dwell on them too long, but they just, they just float them out there, which it's, it's perfect. It, it, it could, this could be a very self-important, you know, type of movie, but they, they played it just at the right tone for Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Again, being the moody teenager. This was a powerful scene. Yeah. It's funny because as much as I, I like Will's character and everything, and, and I enjoy the performance and all of that, you're right, though, that at the same time, he's not what you would consider a hero because... He's letting his mission to cure his father blind him to how much Everything. pain he's causing to the people around him. He's to you know, everybody. now this is you know his father's going to die. Well, at the same point, it's also, it's also. I mean, it's wonderful that his father gets his mind back, but you know, it's also kind of torturous to have him going from to keep he's keep losing his mind over and over again basically right. you know right well also listen you know, this, his this girlfriend, is a scene that this right is... here look what he's building did you oh, see what Caesar's putting yeah. together <laughs> it's my favorite easter egg of the entire movie Caesar is putting together what do you call those things anyway it's they're, not a model like exactly 3D puzzles 3D puzzle that's it 3D puzzle of the Statue of Liberty which if you don't know the significance in Statue of Liberty the Planet of the Apes then why I question you're... why you're even listening to us but 
but yeah, I love that. Yeah, this guy's such a dick. I know. He looks like, um... Oh, what the hell was that guy's name? Roseanne Barr's husband. <laughs> yeah. Tom oh, Arnold. Uh, Tom Arnold, yeah. Yeah, he does. He's just got that big old douchebag mouth. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a complete douche. He's a douche to everybody, too. That's the weird thing. You know, when Franklin comes to the house later, he's an asshole to him, too. Yeah. And you would think he would have chilled out a little bit after that, you know, after what Caesar did to him. Well, they could have they could have had a lot more, like, you know, they could have had a lot more when he's like, it'll never happen again in the earlier scene. He's just like, you know, you can say that again. You could have had the, pol you know, I, I was expecting the police were going to get involved and they were... <laughs> But it's not until this point. Yeah. The only thing is, really, Caesar should have his face off by now. Right. <laughs> be beating him with his own arm. I'll be taking that. I love this one. Yeah. Whap. <laughs> Good stunt work. I like how he does the roll, and it's just like a roll <laughs> into a run. Why are you running down the street? Duck in somewhere. Is he going? <laughs> ah! Yeah. Ow. Ow. The only scene that's missing is is Caesar going patoo. <laughs> Which I think he does because I noticed that in the very last scene where the guy is headed into the airport, he has a thing on his finger that looks like maybe they're trying to re-knit the finger right. on. Which calls into question just how much time has passed when he, when Caesar's in the facility. Because I got the impression that it was a long stretch of time. But they seem to be p playing kind of fast and loose with that. See, everything that happened here is like basically the fault of James Franco's character. You know, and and each each step is another step in just cementing the downfall right. of humanity. Here, well, that's here what we I get the radicalization to... of Caesar, where he becomes a revolutionary. You know, right. Where he finds his people and free, you know, frees them. This, well, this guy. Is, that's what I was starting to say before is that, you know, his girlfriend asks him point blank. What about Caesar? And he, in, th in that conversation, he's still stuck thinking about the cure and the medicine and his dad and everything. And he just kind of brushes her off. Well, Caesar will live with us. He's not realizing what she's trying to tell him is that Caesar has evolved beyond, you know, he's evolved to an almost human level at this point. You can't keep treating him like a pet. And... He doesn't get it. He yeah, he doesn't get it, and he never saw this coming. He, ne he never gets it in this whole movie, and I'll, I'll point out there's a moment where of just another. I mean, if the if the court order had gone a different way, if the court had decided to put Caesar down, oh would my he God. just go along with that? I don't think so. <laughs> or would he try to make a case for no? You don't realize. No, if I, if, I if, if, if the movie went in that direction, there would have been a courtroom, you know, Charlton Heston. Damn, that would have been very interesting, actually. Dirty hands off me moment, you know, to but save I'm, his life. 
I'm thinking that he would not just go along with it, that he would try to make a defense for Caesar's intelligence. That being the case, how can he go along with this? How can he condemn him, essentially? Of course, I don't the think old, he realizes only alternative just how long is, it's going to take. What's his only alternative? If he could go, like, free Caesar somewhere, that would probably get him, like, felony... <laughs> That's true. You know, type of thing, dangerous animal or whatever. Um, he could go on I the run with Caesar he... and, and throw away his right. entire life. And what about what about dad, you know? Oh, this kills me, this part. Yeah. Just the look. He's so anguished. Well, he's never had, never even been separated from his right. these guys ever, and all of a sudden, this is this is this this is almost like a first day of school. <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. Moment. That guy who's who runs the the monkey lab. He reminds me of the guy in Conquest and Battle. You you know who I mean? The, right. Yeah. I do know who you mean. I can't think of his name. That's Brian Cox. He was uh, he was striker in X two that we watched. Not yeah, long he ago. always plays pricks. <laughs> yeah, he does. Speaking of always playing pricks, is uh, his son here? That guy. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched any of the Harry Potter films. He was Draco Malfoy. Malfoy yeah. Yeah, and he's always an asshole. He's got that. He's got that punch me face. Yeah, he does. I'd love to, by the way. <laughs> Even if it turns out that he's nice like guy, the, I'm yeah, sure. nicest guy in the world, just I just on principle, because you're right, he does have a punch me face. Well, I, I cannot, I cannot. The just the whole, the whole. How can you work in a monkey lab and be a jerk to the monkeys? Like that. It's just every it's not break a lab even. They're, they're like there to take care of the monkeys, and that. I mean, <laughs> it sort of explains it as he's his son. So. There you go, kids. You want to know what it's like working uh, customer service? Here you go, <laughs> right here. It's a madhouse. See these the the um the the flat out tributes to the to the movie. I'm not as fond of as the more subtle ones. Yeah, me neither. The, the, you know that one I like. That one I'll, that I'll one be hurts. honest. That one I kind of like. The one that that I could have lived without is the get your stinking paws off me later on. Yeah, it's on unnecessary. Because, well, he delivers it completely differently than than Charlton Heston. So if you're gonna use it, make the delivery exactly the same. But by changing it up, it just makes it stand out that much more to me, anyway. Doesn't matter though. You won't remember. <laughs> Dad, I'm gonna release you in the woods. Harry'll take care of you now. <laughs> this is this is a lot of people don't know that this is actually the sequel to Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Not as much of the feel good movie as uh Harry and the Hendersons. That was a good movie too. I haven't I seen that, that in so long. Oh yeah, it's it's probably been a good twenty years since I've seen that one. It was not a bad realization of it at a garage sale a few months ago. Oh Our really? Cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird.
See, that's his thing. He's he's trying to prevent the inevitable, at least with his dad. And this guy is such the stereotypical um, corporate, you know, just opportunist, smarmy, smarmy guy. And it's it's perfect his his character shouldn't be more subtly shaded he could even chew it up a little more but i i i just i really like these things are kind of this whole the whole corporate aspect of it and the lab part of it is probably the most um cliched part of the whole movie you know it's just been played out in a lot of movies like this a little rope but I like top. I like the way it's done though. Well, that's the thing is, but the way they do it is it is kind of cheesy and that fits perfectly. It doesn't it's there was there were so many opportunities to have really eye-rolling aspects right. of this movie. And it's See, I wonder if it's intentional that these parts at Genesis here remind me a hell of a lot of the sterile quasi-futuristic look of the environment of the totalitarian government in Conquest because essentially mm-hmm. that's what this movie is replacing in the original yes. timeline is that this movie is essentially replacing Conquest the same way it looks like Dawn is going to be replacing or or I guess paralleling would be a, a, a better word to use paralleling uh, battle and I can't help but wonder if some of the the looks, uh, you know, the aesthetics in the movie are intentional in that parallel. But I don't know. I, I'd like to think so because it seems so, so much of the other stuff is intentional. I mean, the more I watch this, the more I'm convinced that the people who made it were not only just trying to make a good movie, they were really into the Planet of the Apes movies. And didn't just watch them for details and stuff to throw in. They watched them and got the got the idea of it. You know, they got the they got the point that it's like Planet of the Apes is just a perfect format to right. deal with. Same things. Bu- d- same of- things done to Taylor in the original one. Blasted with the water hose. Just had to point that out. But you you can it's it's the, a, a perfect framework for a science fiction story to deal with a few um, modern issues or whatever right. without being I mean this movie isn't overtly like political or anything, but it deals with you know human nature issues and right how we treat each other how we yeah. treat each other and uh, but that's it, why that's one of the big reasons I like it is that they don't make these kinds of science fiction movies anymore. You know, as we have seen, they have been actively dumbing down. They're either either completely stupid or they're very classy. And I like the classy stuff. And I even like the stupid stuff if it's done correctly, stupid. But when you have, and I don't want to say this is a hybrid of stupid and classy, but it's, you know, it's, it's pop, cinema 
you know, it's nice sound work right here. Cause I didn't get the first time I saw this, that, that, that what he was drawing was his window. Yeah. I didn't get that, but he is. And if you listen to the sound, it's dubbed in like an echo effect in the background. The sounds of children playing outside was what he was always hearing out the window. I, I like that. It was very subtle. And like I said, I completely missed it first couple of times around. And also, they don't really play up, although you sort of get a sense of it, that James Franco now feels completely different about the the testing of, of these apes. Here's another parallel to two apes movies. In the original Planet of the Apes, the uh, the guy that uh, Zira calls old timer, she gives him a sugar cube, he eats it, and then comes right back, same way as right here. And then the same sort of thing is in the beginning of Escape, where the army guy gives Cornelia the orange, or Cornelius the orange, and he like pockets it and then puts his hand right back out for the next one. I love that. I like the subtler nods, like you said. I, I completely agree with you. It's the subtler well, uh, nods a, and homages that I like. A much lesser better. movie would have taken this this scarred up ape here and made him like Caesar's foil, right? And had more with. The, I could see him being that in a future. Actually, in the future, the, Rocket would be more. I think, or maybe him and Rocket together become you know the the foils or something. But yeah, maybe down the yeah, line. There's you. there's a couple mo- there's a moment of conflict with him with Caesar, but for the most part, he's they 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 don't really, um, you know, go nuts with this character, which right. I like. I, they, it, there's just enough of him. He's just a nice added element, and I think he I think he is really because he really doesn't have a lot to do with this story that much. But it seems like they put him in there as one of the things. It's like, all right, you know, down the line, this guy's going to be, you know, he's probably, although he's not a gorilla, he, he might have the um, uh, Aldo role, you know? Right, yeah, exactly. Just occurred to me that uh, I wish his shirt 2001. was... <laughs> yeah. I wish his shirt was green. You know, like the forest green color of the of the chimps in the original movie. I think that would have been a nice touch. Supposedly, the reason that their eyes turn green or his eyes turn green is a uh, is a tribute to the the color green of the chimps in the original. But I don't know if I buy that or not. I like that look. That's like, oh, who me? This is the prison yard scene here. Yeah, yeah. So you think you're bad, huh? Well, you see, that's the thing is I'm surprised they let him... I love this... Uh, I mean, this perfect body language that... Yeah. The aggression... No, all the other apes are just sort of... <laughs> slowly... I love this. I love... I I love ape behavior. <laughs> The funniest shit I ever heard in my life when it came to a movie review was uh, when I was a monorail pilot, uh, one of my good friends was this guy, Fu Quan, who was uh, 
quite possibly the the largest black man I have ever known in my life. He was a monster, huge guy. What was funny about him is that he was like one of those gentle giants, you know? And this movie had just come out and we were talking about it. So we're standing on the platform and we're talking about it. And he's doing most of the talking because he was a talker big time. And so he's going on and on and to listen to him describe this scene you know the, the the fight, and then of course the resolution when Caesar frees. Um, oh, what's the what's the gorilla's name? Buck was hysterical because now it's always been my understanding that black people do not like the comparison between black people and chimpanzees. They do not like. But, I, I I would think they don't like the comparison. When it's coming from white people. <laughs> right. But what was hysterical was that to listen to Fu Quan tell the story, it played like a black people prison riot movie. Right. right. And so we're talking and he's like, and so then he goes and he, he finds the biggest brother in the place it, and he lets him out and he's beating ass. And I, I'm just, I'm dying laughing. And he's absolutely this, right though. It is basically this, a prison. That's, that's the dining room in the prison. Right. You go there right, and the exactly. guy comes and takes half your food. And, and this woman comes walking over. She, she was, you know, another customer. She comes over and she had, you know, she came into the conversation late. So she comes over and she's listening to him describe this. And she's like, that sounds right. What movie is this you're talking about? He goes, Oh, this is rise of the planet. Of the Apes. And she looks at him like, <laughs> the fuck are you talking it was hysterical she thought it was like escape from alcatraz or something exactly like yeah yeah you know but it was funny because you know he made it sound like it was like the latest you know spike lee movie or something it was hysterical i mean i was dying laughing absolutely dying now i like this is another one of my favorite characters in this mm-hmm. is the orangutan maurice um he's so named after uh, maurice evans who played dr zayas in the original movies He's great, though. I like when he when he reveals to Caesar that he he knows sign language, and Caesar's kind of taken aback. He's like, "You know sign," and he just says, "Circus orangutan." I love that, and Caesar gives a little laugh. It's great. Humans no like smart apes. They're <laughs> dragging him by the face. by the head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> great so much communicated silently mm-hmm. you know he's like they're taking him away and i don't know where they're going it's great i love it although i think and and it's another quibble that fits in the story but not in reality i don't think sign language apes sign to that extent you know what i mean right sentences and and concepts sometimes they do but not as freely as that you know well, that was something I, I was going to hold off till later, but now's as good a place as any to bring it up, is that much like one of my major criticisms with Conquest in that everything moves too fast in the evolution of the apes, if you watch this movie close enough, same thing happens here because they're basically giving Caesar a contemporary in the prison. Yes, with with Maurice. Maurice is almost as smart as he is in a lot of ways. It's his first, yeah, and it's his first non-human that he can communicate with. Right, yeah, contemporary, yeah, exactly. 
but also, you know, there's the scene when the riot fully happens, you know, the escape fully happens. The first thing they do, they go to the zoo and they free other apes. Mm-hmm. Well, those apes should be like just running rampage as, as stupid as they were before they got smart and got free. Yet they join the cause. You know what I mean? You have to kind of overlook that or the movie kind of falls apart at that point because they had to add numbers. Well, even know? the dumb apes, even the non-enhanced apes might have just they might not have been fighting in an organized manner like the smart apes. But they might, you know, when they get busted out where if you were an ape, where would you go? Right, yeah, you follow the lead ape. I go with the other apes. I mean, and that's kind of the way I've no prized it to myself, you know. Right, right. Just, you know, go along with the gag is like, well, they're just, you know, they're Uh, monkey see, monkey do. It's like the other other ones. You you, you can sloth. It's not about the details. It's not about the science. It's not about the continuity. It's just about the ideas. Right. That are getting See, Maurice is the one that I keep coming back to and looking at him and going, that's a real chimp. Or, I mean, a real orangutan. Gotta be. But he's not. That's the amazing thing with the CGI in this is that they are not real. Yet you look at him and you would swear, come on. Yes. That's real orangutan. See, there's that shot I was talking about. He's, He's putting it all together. Okay, it's just like a bicycle. I can open that. Yep. He's piecing it all together. I love the moments where it's just you watching him putting the pieces together. The intelligence just comes right through on his face. And it's a combination of that thing that we're all fascinated with. Like when you go to the zoo and you watch an ape and you have that fascination of, man, they're so close to us. Yeah, so he looks like he's yeah. thinking about <laughs> something, you know? It's a combination of that, and it's you know uh, Andy Circus's uh, performance. The the combination just really works. Where you know he he looks intelligent, which is a weird thing to say, but he really does. I like how he just turns around. Right. Is Malfoy gonna get him some? You see, I would, I would think that would probably not be the way that you want to get girls, <laughs> right? Well, it's true too, because you know, then that one's kind of looking at him like, "What an asshole!" Yeah. I think he just turned her off right there. This guy reminds me of somebody I've known, but I can't ever remember who it is. See, he even says it himself. It's like he's thinking or something. It's great. Now, what he's doing here to this guy is exactly what Taylor did to Zira when he stole her notepad. See, he should write on a piece of paper, my my name is Caesar. (laughs) I love that. See, that's very prison. That's very prison. The guy just going like, man... I was on the other side of the cage. You wouldn't be such a smart ass. Oh, shit's getting real now. We're going to make Eat a break cool. for it. I got to say, though, those are pretty uh, rudimentary locks. But then again, right. I guess they only have to be. 
Uh, I love Maurice. I like he's how he's cool. just—you can see him sort of realizing what's going on too. Right. Yeah. I haven't spoken at all about the uh, the score to this by Patrick Doyle. I'm not the biggest Patrick Doyle fan in the world, which would just crush Mark Buttrick if he was to hear me say that because he's he adores the guy. I like him. There are moments of this score that I think are brilliant, but the weird thing about it is it's not a highly listenable, enjoyable score outside, outside. of the movie. It's, yeah. it's one of those classic kinds of movie scores where it works fine in the movie, take it out of the movie, it's not that great of a soundtrack, unfortunately. But there are some moments I really like. Well, I the think we'll have scene. more potential for exciting i love i love that where it's like he's chasing him but no he's like i love yeah. lo this it's playing yeah this is this reminds me of my favorite part of peter jackson's king kong yeah in central park on yeah, the ice kong yeah where it's just like finally i get a chance yeah. i've been watching everybody yeah. <laughs> it's all right you're a good kid See, and also, I don't think in reality... I wish he had pissed on his face right there as an homage to Greystoke. Oh. Because the first time I saw this, I thought he threw shit on his face, but I think it was just food or something. Some that monkey chow. Yeah, but I, I wish he had pissed on his face to wake him up, because that's one of my favorite moments in Greystoke is when, when young Tarzan pisses on Kirchak to, to wake him up and You like the gas can? Him. <laughs> How you like it, huh? Like this gas can? Look, look, I'm gonna put your face in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't now, know how behaviorally kind of accurate this is. <laughs> but it's Rocket's awesome. Rocket's not a chimp, though, is he? He's, he's like a gibbon or something, right? Or what, what, no, is, Gibbons, what is that? Gibbons are are on the less um, t rough and tough. What is he though? He I, he's not a he's. I don't think he's a chimp, is he? I don't know. He might just he might just be a really roughed up chimp. Cause... Maybe because they're they're you know there's several different species represented in the movie. You know, you got the chimps and the orangutans and, and the gorilla, but there's that scene. Sure there's variation among all of them too, you know? Right. There's that great scene later where they're all riding the trolley and they all stand up. And my understanding is that four different species are represented right there. Well, one of them I think is rocket. So I don't think he's a chimp. I think he's a different kind of ape, but I'm just not sure what he's supposed to be. See, I mean, right here, basically James Franco was about to inject his dad with simian flu from right. But I he didn't guess. know that though. They right. Right. He yet. didn't know. But I mean, he, he didn't, uh, he obviously didn't know that. But he's saved by his dad, who even in his right. dementia has more common sense <laughs> than Franco's character, you know? And it's just like, you know, let it go. And what he would have done is made his dad die a torturous death. Right. He never figures out he never figures out enough of what's context of what's going on to do to to really do the right thing. And when he does do things that are kind of the right thing he still doesn't do them all the way or doesn't seem to get them 
all the way. You know what I mean? See, the end of the movie seems to imply that the infection is airborne. Yes. You know, so it, it, it's highly contagious. Well, Franco was right there with Franklin when Franklin sneezed blood that first time. So is he exposed? Is he a carrier now himself? He could very well be. That may be why he's not in the next movie. That's what I'm thinking. That's what's probably going to end up being explained is that, you know, I mean, I, I, I think the conceit of that movie is pretty much most of humanity is gone. Right. It, it, it's sort of like a Stephen King uh, yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. It's like uh, the stand. Yeah, where, exactly. You know, the like, stand with with talking. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't great. that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it looks like a good percentage of humanity is is gone. I am so looking forward to that. I like tell him, Linda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, one one way that Dawn will totally win me over is at some point, if it is revealed either that it's already happened or it ends up happening in the course of the movie, that nukes are used on, on some level. Oh. That's got to happen. Now, I don't want it to be like full out like world ending nuclear war, of course. What about but, mutants? Are you open to the idea of mutants? Well, I mean, there, there has to be. There, I don't necessarily want to see them in the next movie, but there has to be something for the mutants to be set up. So, you know, and if they go that route, well, that's why I'm saying that I, I hope that it's explained because the the, the in between story that we covered on uh, Back to the Bins was called Revolution on the Planet of the Apes. And it's a story set between conquest and battle and how it explains away the nuclear war in that, because it's heavily implied, I think anyway, in the very first Planet of the Apes movie that, that we nuked ourselves. Like there was a nuclear war between, you know, the Americans and the Russians because that was the fear of the time. And I think that that slowly got changed and altered and retconned, you know, through the years as things went <laughs> sneezes right in his face. Excellent. I Couldn't it happen to but, a nicer guy. But anyway, in short, basically, we end up nuking our cities to try to stop the apes mm. in the revolution story, which I like that idea. I think that's a radical, but... Well, I don't want to say plausible, but I think it's an interesting route to take is that, yes, we used nukes and yes, we brought about our own downfall by using them. And yes, we set up the mutants that would come later with the fallout and all that. But we were trying to we take didn't out do the it apes. because it was a nuclear war. We yeah. were trying to exactly we were trying to defend ourselves and take out the apes that were in the population centers. I think that's a brilliant way to to take that story. I didn't think he was going to take the money and and. uh Every time I watch this, I wonder if he gives the money back. <laughs> you know, yeah. Since right. Caesar doesn't no, come no, with him, does he give sure him the money he doesn't. back? He does <laughs> I not. Would. No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm positive he doesn't. It, I would have been like, no, the money was for you to come, open up the cage, and take him. You could have taken him. They could have shot him with a tranquilizer, and uh, you know, I'm sure that guy isn't like, no, ape, ape's rights, man. Whatever the ape wants. See, I love that. that yeah, yep. he sees the leash. Oh, this scene. And that was also a nice little nod to, like, Franco was doing the permission. Right. Sort of like my handshake at graduation. 
<laughs> denied. The emotion on Caesar's face in this is just... Oh, you know what? His name is on the door. I never even noticed that before. Yeah, that that was a little quibble because his name's on the door. It looks like it's been on the door for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's true. It's like rusty and worn and... It should be <laughs> nice and fresh. Buck looks like he's eating popcorn. Watching the drama. Yep. I like this, though. You know, because the, the, the suggestion here is that they're chanting his name. I like that. See, he looks more silverish to me. I really think he's supposed to be a different species, but I, I'm just, I'm not positive well, what it is he's supposed gorillas. to be. I don't know. I don't know what he is. He might just be older, you know, and his skin is, he's got that, like, ashy quality to his skin. Like, maybe he's older, his ha hair's grayer, you know, his, his skin is rougher from just being... I like it that Caesar's always a little leery around him, too. Well, Caesar there, that look had a little bit of Roddy McDowell in it that he just gave. That sort of like, okay, it reminded me a little of Roddy McDowell breaking up the banana in Conquest. Listen to the music in this scene. There is a great video that's uh, that's part of the documentaries on the disc. You can also find this on YouTube because I posted yes. it some time ago. It's the, I got a cookie for you. I got a cookie for you. It's great. But this is my favorite mo musical moment in the movie. I love that look, by the way. It's coming up here in a second. But he had the, the chorus actually do a chant of, I got a cookie for you. It was hysterical. Which says they were having fun making this. Oh, absolutely. There's creativity flowing All right, let's see. I'm looking here. I got my... The nice thing about doing these now is I got my iPad right here by my side. So I'm going to look and see. There's got to be a wiki for this. What the hell is rocket species? If it'll tell. I don't know if it'll tell. Yeah, gibbons are usually lanky. Huh, <laughs> says chimpanzee. He looks like a real orangutan. Yeah, Frank he does. Man. He completely does. This whole set reminds me so much of the 2001, <laughs> beginning of 2001, which was obviously, which had an obvious set, you know, it was supposed to be in the African, like, sub-Sahara desert, but it just, it looked like a canned set like this. Maurice like, is played by a woman. Huh. That's pretty cool. Never realized that. I guess plus it, was... it says she plays Maurice the orangutan in this and the next one. Oop. So that's nice that we're going to see Maurice again in the next one. I'm sure Andy Circus is getting lots of Oh yeah. This one. I'm sure his paycheck has gone up <laughs> since this movie probably. He is I I'm going to keep saying it. He's the modern Ray Harryhausen. He's he's the guy that knows how to, I mean, stop motion, whatever, it's like CGI, it had its limitations. But Ray right. Harryhausen, whenever he did that stop motion, it had that extra layer of reality. And whenever they add Andy Serkis and 
all of mm-hmm. a sudden, you know, the uncanny valley's not really as apparent as as it is in most movies. And that's right. a huge thing, you know. I mean, he did a really great job as Gollum. And I like to think that at that moment, that that Malfoy was catching the sim- simian flu from the mosquito. <laughs> See here's here this is a big setup for the next movie and that scene you talked about in the preview where you saw James Franco mm-hmm. cuz they were watching an old camcorder recording and this is where Caesar, did... Caesar comes back to go into his old room and grab his he comes primarily to right. get this stuff but they find you know somebody's been in Caesar's room the next morning and he probably went up and grabbed a bunch of uh mementos right because he knew he wasn't coming back how did he know where he lived well a lot of animals have that sense of direction <laughs> i love that he trashes the asshole's car again yep, that's just great on the way out <laughs> People were cheering in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Everybody was just like, oh, yes. (laughs) That's a great shot. It's both an oh, yes and an oh, shit moment because it's like... Not for me because... This is great because it's all about the eyes in Mm -hmm. this scene. Just like an original Apes film where... You know, Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter had to work that ape makeup just with their eyes. Same thing here. They may look great and completely realistic now, but this is all about the eyes. You can see. And it's silent. (laughs) Yeah, it's completely silent, but you can see sentience. Yeah developing right you know they're they're waking up with a whole new understanding of of the world and themselves it's just great i love it it's just brilliant i love maurice he does look completely real really smart by now (laughs) (laughs) the icarus now is this is this heston's face no that, I mean, that was a plausible Heston. Just for it's that supposed short to be, scene. from what I understand, though, it is supposed to be Taylor and crew lifting off, which is interesting. Well, I'm wondering if they're planning on hoping that they might actually get to that point. <laughs> It'd be very that interesting. Be, that would be interesting. I would. I mean, I really. I mean, I think it's kind of nice. There used to be a laundromat in Watertown that had that same wallpaper. <laughs> All right, this guy sloughs this off way too easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are you looking at? Nothing. Huh. Huh. That's odd. Yeah. yeah that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> ah, just an overactive imagination. <laughs> They can't really be talking, can they? Uh, I'll just go about my business. If this thing's still experimental, then why are we mass producing? I it? was just gonna say they've they've designed these like fancy little cylinders for it. 
Those things can't be cheap. Excuse me, are you dead? What's that smell? Have you taken out your garbage? I just notice there's blood all over the door. I never noticed that before. There's blood like all over the key slot. Did you see that? Oh yeah, we were. <gasps> and apparently he like just died because the blood is still, still oozing out of his ears, out. which is gross. Once again, that guy they could have they could have been less subtle with that, but they just played it perfect, you know. They could have had him did... turn to jelly or something. How did they manage to get the apes back in? For one, how do they? Oh, here's Charlton Heston's cameo right here. I think that's the Omega Man, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. How? For one, how did like when it's when recess is over? How the hell do you clear a cage full of apes? Right. But then, how do you manage to get them all back into their proper ones as well? Because I'm assuming there really are places like this somewhere, right? Yeah, I don't think that... I don't know if they have open areas like this. When I've seen videos of... I've watched lots of videos of, like, ape rehabs and stuff. And <laughs> ape rehab. They don't seem track. to have... Like, I think the concept in here... The common room is a concept for the movie. And then the sort of tunnels that lead to the common room are right. sort of not what you would realistically see. You would, like, when I've seen this, it's mostly been people front load, like a jail, front loading them in right. into the cage. Yeah. You see, and also, get just getting into a ape cage with just a stick like that, I mean, these things can rip your arm yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. There's, yeah, I think about that every time I see this. It's like, you know, he's either really brave or really stupid. Because, he's, he's definitely yeah, stupid. <laughs> when it grabs him right here, all it has to do is grab the other arm and just break him like a wishbone. Love this part. Well, it's a reference to another one of the things established yep. in Conquest. I love Buck's look. Yeah. Look at the look on Buck. He's, he's actually scared by this. Oh, well, they're crossing a line. <laughs> love that look. He's yeah. Like, oh, Whoa. Holy shit. <laughs> See, I wondered the first time watching this again, because I went to this with not a lot of information about what it was going to be about. I didn't want to be spoiled. I went in wondering, would they speak? And just by the way the movie was going up to this point, I was actually down with the fact that they weren't speaking and I didn't think that they would. I didn't. Think so when he actually begins to speak, I was like, I was really blown. I mean, that was the genuine like shock factor. Well, it's also movie for me. That's also, goes against science factor because one of the oh, yeah, reasons sure. they don't, don't speak have, they do not have they don't have the equipment for right it. yeah and, but what i mean by that is that you know here you go there's you know if if you include this in the ape saga then this is the sixth film we should not be we should not you know we shouldn't have that same reaction that you have the very first time you ever see planet of the apes where you know, Heston looks up and hears gorillas on horseback. That had to be mind-blowing in 1968, yeah. you know? But after six films, we were used to the fact that, you know, they stand upright, they talk, they wear clothes, you know, they're, they're just like us. All of a sudden, he speaks in this movie, and 
I'm transported right back to what it must have been like seeing the first movie for the first time because it's a shocker. Oh, my God, he just spoke. I like that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the movie could do that, I think, speaks volumes about how cleverly it's all put together. That ape was uh, Cornelia, by the way, which yep. is a combination of Cornelius and Zira. I think that's really cool. I think it's going to be his former or his future mate. That's yeah, that's an interesting idea. We could get a Cornelius because of it. Now, couldn't he have done that at any time? He's sure. I'm surprised he didn't do that He's when a very uh, dramatic Malfoy ape. was attacking him. He's a, he he, he <laughs> dramatic takes his moments. I love this. I love this. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was part of the trailers for the movie was this shot of them all escaping. I was just like, oh my god, I'm going to love this movie. Looks like a toilet, one of those toilet yank cord things yep. they used to have. We used to have one of those to- toilets in our ho- in the solar house. Did you? Yeah, where, where the tank was up in the air. I love this house with the the bookshelves up there. On yeah, the he's upper- got a That's nice cool. place. He's definitely yeah, he making does. some good money to have a place like that in, in San Francisco. Not a cheap house. <laughs> I love that this shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that shot is so realistic. The way it's lit, mm-hmm. I mean, it totally looks like dusk lighting. Yeah, I don't know if it's dusk or like. I think it's supposed to be dawn, isn't dawn, it? But it's got that. It's got that one or the other. That look of the lighting there and. Yep. It's a minor quibble, but I think the scene where they replay the security footage with Dodge's dad standing right there. Yeah. It is kind of... A little tasteless. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Maybe I'm going to take these with me. (laughs) You see... Let's make sure they wind up in the trash. he He really dodges conveniently a lot of legal bullets <laughs> in this well i mean if you can if you consider the extinction of the human race convenient then yeah i guess yeah but... that's true but i mean there's i mean i don't know actually if you could implicate him in the death of you could if you knew what happened in in the story but like if the police right. came in there that i don't know if they can implicate right franco in it's a good thing for you that everybody died. Otherwise, you'd be going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> eh? Okay. <laughs> uh. I, seriously, our, the movie theater was yeah. just pounding when this, oh, was, yeah. when this was happening. People were just like, get them, get them. Maybe it was just me. <laughs> I was rolling down the aisles and th- flinging my feces at people. This scene is weird because it gives you just a moment, just a bare moment with Brian Cox to kind of get his emotion to the, you know, to the death of his son. And that was it. It does not linger on it at yep. all. There's a lot I of love things that stampede sound. To, to this film's credit, most writers would have felt to have written more into that into the guy with the flu right all that's into the conflict between caesar and the and the badass ape but 
I like that they avoided it and just stuck with the you know this could have been this could have been a two and a half hour movie and I think it would have suffered for it I think they mm-hmm. they really um no, it's hard to keep it le- lean and mean just like all the the other apes movies this shot reminds me of like a conquest mm-hmm. type scene it does it looks like that corridor in conquest the 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 uh crossroads where Caesar and McDonald or Caesar reveals himself to McDonald and it looks a lot like that and this this is where this guy's character goes off the rails of reality to where you know to to the point of where he's an executive there's no way he would be like let's get in this helicopter especially a slimy one like this guy there's no way he would risk his life and be like, come on, we're getting in the helicopter and I'm going to personally... Hi, guys, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> now, how far of a fall can apes survive? I anyways? don't know. That's a pretty decent fall onto broken glass and concrete. This cop here looks very familiar to me, like I've seen him in another movie, but I can't quite place him. It's full of apes in there. <laughs> i got to get in the air. We have to be able to destroy them. <laughs> Just trust me on this. Oh, that's great. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do that. The next time I see a, a cop pull up at the mall, I'm going to run out and go, it's full of apes in there, and it's, just see what happens. It's good to know that the um, that the California, uh, they say CHP on the side, has machine guns in their Oh, it did, didn't it? Where's Where's John and Ponch? They should have called him in on this one. <laughs> i love that i love that shot now i don't think a zoo would be that uh that what Uh, would would it just seemed like that was an amazingly short jump even with the with the um fence down yeah (laughs) <laughs> Get ready to fire Stupid live ass. rounds into civilian territory. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm loving this shit. I'm a civilian, but but listen to me, cops. <laughs> I got a thousand dollar suit. Well, I like that this movie takes the time to deal with the implausibility factor of come on, you know. Yeah. Granted, they're a lot stronger than human beings and everything, but you're talking about what? Maybe a couple hundred of them at most. You know, would would this really cripple the city? Would this really be that big of a threat? And you see, well, yeah, it is. And they're they're dealing with and showing you how they're able to. They've got the element to do of what surprise. They're doing. Yeah, the city definitely. of San Francisco is not prepared for an ape attack. Right. So they got a lot of they can they can really run chaos through the city. I love this shot. Mm-hmm. It reminds me actually. There's a Winter Soldier shot that's very similar to that of running right. through. Yay! Run from the apes. Won't help you. Love it. <laughs> well, one thing here that I noticed is that, and I remember kind of thinking this as a child too, that as much as I love the makeup work and and I can totally suspend my belief when watching a Planet of the Apes film, one thing I remember thinking a lot as a kid is that in real life, a gorilla is pretty friggin' scary because they're yeah. massive. They're just mountains of huge muscle. 
And the gorillas in Planet of the Apes, you know, the in the original films. Now, granted, I thought their their makeup work was beautiful and everything, but they weren't they particularly like scary. Tall. Yeah. See, I love this shot right here. That is a great shot. I mean, there's a moment here where Buck screams point blank into a guy's face as the guy just completely pisses his pants, <laughs> which is what you would do. I mean, a, oh, yeah. a giant gorilla is is frightening. And... I would rather face a bear, to tell you the truth, than oh, a yeah. gorilla that was looking to do physical harm to me. They just the, the only thing that's not realistic is they don't have the gorilla balls bouncing off the people's <laughs> This yeah, bridge gets so bigger. much abuse, man, lately. Really, think about it. We watched well, you haven't seen Godzilla yeah, yet, it, but it bites it Godzilla. We just together after uh, Magneto. Exactly wrenched it across the bay they just got it all they just got it together. set back and now the monkeys are <laughs> tearing it up i can't for the life i wish i had made a note of it i can't for the life of me remember what it was i found earlier today when i was watching this there's a problem a potential problem with the timeline as far as how much time has passed while Caesar has been in lockup. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it was that I, I spotted earlier that made me think that it it went from being conceivably a pretty long stretch of time to, no, it hasn't been long at all. I, I don't, I can't remember what it was. I think part of it had to do with the, the fact that you see that thing on the pilot's finger, like they're trying to re-knit his finger. Oh, okay. So if a long time had passed, you would think that that would be done by that point, right? I don't know how long that takes. I like right. that. Send some up, send some down. That's great. I like how he's all shaggy. Yeah, I was and... just going to say, fur is getting better in CG, too. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Oh, I'm telling you, the movie theater was the people were just like, ah, get them all. And by them, I mean the humans. The, the... One of my favorite shots of the entire movie is coming up here in a moment, because one of my favorite moments from the original film is there is a shot where gorillas on horseback are chasing Charlton Heston toward us as the viewer. And Heston gets this weird look on his face. It's basically like, oh, shit, I'm about to run into the camera. Yes, yes. And he ducks around a corner as the ape rider goes past him. Same thing happens. They recreated the shot right here. He goes, oh, shit. And he ducks out of the way as the guy on the horseback. I love that homage. I love and that. It's just, and they didn't, they didn't exaggerate it or tell it. Yeah, they didn't. It's just they there. Didn't, Exactly. They didn't beat you over the head with it. If you catch it, you catch it and you love it. If you don't catch it, it doesn't affect doesn't anything. That's all. the way an homage should be. That. A lot of humans get killed by apes in this movie. I love that mm -hmm. too. They could have... Look, well, I mean, there that, you get it. Right here, but, uh, Caesar tells Buck not to kill him 
and he doesn't. He obeys Caesar, but then a couple scenes later, he yanks a cop out of his cop car and flings his ass off the bridge. Well, Caesar wasn't around right there. Wow. I'm going to need a diaper. That can have smelled good. Yeah. <laughs> Radio headquarters. Talk about halitosis. That's... <laughs> Oh, not cool. Aw. Oh, revenge. He's revenge, monkeys. Revenge. <laughs> Kill them all. Are there babies hanging on that one? That was cool. Oh, that, there was something that was on the back of, the of that one. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I didn't notice that before. And I mean, to this film's credit, at this point, the only human you really care, you really give a shit about is James Franco and his girlfriend are the only yep. two humans that yep. you don't that you really would would uh, mourn if they this got tossed awesome. off the bridge yes I love this boom 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 I love that that is so cool and I love I love the great animation they animated the shot the you know the shocks in the suspension mm -hmm. of the, the thing you can see the actual body of the bus lift before the wheels did because it lifted up a little on the suspension that was just nice cgi work right. i'd be taking my machine gun and going back to the house at this point because yeah. i'm not going to deal with some pissed off gorillas all yeah. right i'm just not getting paid enough for this show. hey there was uh at that point bruce i'd also campbell. what's that like <laughs> i look like bruce campbell here we go ape on horseback Oh, I love that shit. <laughs> that guy was like, what the hell? Ow. Whoops. Oh, the LAPD is about to have a really bad day. Yeah, the LAPD is about to get the, now, the tide turned on them. Now, what happens to them, though? Because, you know, there's this big attack and everything. Caesar, it looks like, is more or less defending them, not now allowing them to be killed, although some do get chucked off the bridge here in a moment. But then a couple of scenes later, they have completely... Right there. Wah! Oh, it was the guy that looked like Bruce Campbell that he threw yeah, off the bridge, too. Yeah, I see, they, they run away. And they're just gone. They don't... <laughs> they went home. <laughs> I guess. Where have you been? How was your day, dear? Ah, you know, I forgot to clock out today, actually. I love that, <laughs> though, where he's totally... There's just a, a moment where he's between two worlds. Yeah. That was a great look on his face. It was a totally human, like, what the hell are you doing here look? I loved it. But at that point, at that point, Caesar is more aware of what he's doing and is like actually kind of more responsible and living his life more than Franco is. Right. Ow. I love this. This was in the trailers too where Buck charges the helicopter. This is awesome. Yeah, but I don't like to see the monkey get hit with bullets. No, I don't off. either, but oh, I love it. Then this happens. Whoa! <laughs> I, Whoa! 
I want to know how they did this scene because if this is all CGI, it's this is some be. of the best CGI I've ever seen. It's some really nice CGI, but that I think it looks is CGI. incredibly real. That is phenomenal. Yeah, the the camera was moving in that shot. If it was a real special effects shot, that camera would be mounted to something. You know? Right. Yeah, this scene. It's too is... dynamic to be at the bottom side of that bridge when that explosion was going on there to have a. Aww. Well, it's He's funny like, too oh, because the gorillas oh, are the ones that become the. The kind of monkey foils in the future. Right. Aw. Revenge. Revenge! That's sad. I liked him. I don't know where he picked up the close their eyes sort of thing. Well, he used to watch TV, so... Some, oh, that's a great look on his look at the look of I gritted mean, teeth. I love it. The eyes are very similar to Roddy McDowell. They they yeah. really bring out a little Roddy McDowell. This guy's got to be the stupidest <laughs> corporate dick in the world. Come on, help me. What is the matter with you? Why don't you <laughs> help me? That's a great look. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. See, maybe this guy ends up being Caesar's strongman who does his dirty work for him and then gets out of hand in the next movie. I... <laughs> I like how the camera just stays with it Spell all the way down. Remember that time we threw that tractor tire off the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me a lot of that. That kind of slow motion. That was like Bigfoot footage right there. Yeah. <laughs> I like the orangutan right up on the... <laughs> it was, I like that little moment, that little ape walk, and he kind of just looks at the camera like the Zapruder film. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love calling it that. I know, it's, I know that's not I what know. it's called. I just love calling it that. Back into the left. And I oh and and like I like that it's sort there isn't I was thinking, okay, here comes the massive manhunt into the forest and stuff, but no, they just sort of leave it. Right. Here's this this scene is is where it really clinched it for me that this character just does not get it. It's great. His body language is so, totally someone who knows apes. So did you see how he was like averting his eyes? Right. And, you know, trying to just trying to mitigate But he's still, like, in this scene, he talks, even after Caesar speaks, he still kind of talks to him like he's a child. Right. He's, kind of well, he's still his father. He is. But 
I like that look of Caesar's right there. Like yeah. he's like he's well, telling him we now stand on the same level. Yeah, you know, we're, like, now, we're now equals. I am not your pet. Um, and uh, explain yourself a little a little bit. But you see, the way he's his sentences are very simple. You know, this is not the way. Come home. I'll right. protect you. You know, it's like you're talking to a simpleton. Right. Caesar's just like you know. Come on, dude. I know you're not going to protect me. <laughs> There's no protecting me, you know? Right. And Franco just does, doesn't get it. And even after this, like, the way he goes, okay, Caesar's home, it's still a little bit condescending. I like the scene, though. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of it gets... Written as bad, written off as bad acting by Franco, but I think his character is is clueless. He's a nice guy, but he's just hapless. You know, he right. He he's set. You know, Caesar is making the best of the the situation that he created, and he's still kind of he still not getting that maybe his creation is smarter than him. Right. Did you see the uh, the glut of memes that were going around after uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, the, the Hail, Hail Hydra, Hydra meme? Yeah. My favorite one of all of them was the one of uh, Caesar, Caesar whispering. Franco. Yeah, I like that one. Love the music in this part. Like I say, the score works really well inside the film. Because this, this, musically, this is a callback to the first time he was brought to the woods when he was younger and yeah. allowed to roam free. I, I like that. Well, I'm glad, I, and I love the city in front of him and woods behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get the other species in the trees, too. I, I like that. I think that's pretty cool. But I'm glad the music didn't go like all Lion King like it could have. You know what I mean? Right. It would have been really cheesy. Now, if this was a real Planet of the Apes, though, the, 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 it would be just like two panels with the cast and then it's the right. end. <laughs> right. But that's not how it goes these days. Not anymore, no. I'm always impressed watching those films that when the movie's over, it's like over. over. That's well, it. When with uh, in the Vault of Startling Horror, Monster Horror Tales of Terror, we've been uh, um, doing a lot of Italian films. Right. That's how that like the last character will die, or the bad guy will die, and then the next thing you know, there's a there's a uh, <laughs> a title card that just says the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> And the file stops playing. <laughs> and see if you watch there's... his hand here, he he has like one of those metal, like I don't know what you call them. It's like a splint almost. See right there. Oh so yeah. So it makes yeah. me think that they're trying to reattach his fingers. So there can't be much. That much time has passed. I like that he's a pilot. Yep. I like the music in that because that was a callback to the cookie, the cookie moment. 
And then the end credit sequence is basically tracking the the plague. Yep. Indiana Jones style. Yep. Awesome. I love it. Zinc. I am so looking forward to the new one. Oh my god. Well, let's hope that this time your your being wound up ahead of time will pay off. Like mine was. It did for the X Men. I was nervous, but it did for the X Men. And I I had a lot more nervous uh, nervousness going into Days of Future Past than I have going into this new Ape. So hopefully. Well, I gotta say, so far this summer has been really good for. So far, I haven't seen a stinker yet. I might even risk at some point seeing that Tom Cruise movie. I've been hearing really good things about it. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say Transformers. Originally, I was planning to go see the Transformers one, but I've decided I think that's going to end up being a rental when it comes out on DVD because between what I'm hearing about it, which granted, I don't put a lot of faith because everybody hates the other three as well. I was just going to say, if you you enjoyed the other three, there's, I don't think there's much (laughs) that's going to be that much different, you know? Right. But I guess the running time is like three hours and I don't really want to say it's for three hours at the theater to watch the Transformers. Much as I enjoy the other ones, I... Those movies, to me, would benefit greatly by being pared down to, like, 90 minutes. That's really my only complaint with the second one. I enjoy the hell out of it, but it's just too damn long. Well, really, they should be movies... I mean, there should be a movie that you could enjoy, but they really should be movies for kids, right? I mean, that's what right. they're, they're made for, and a three-hour movie is kind of long to bring your kids and right. sit them down and have them stand still for yeah right I, yeah exactly. I, I i've had no in, interest in that i had no interest in the tom cruise movie but i've been reading reviews of it and then a couple people i know have seen it and were like it's surprisingly good as it, 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 it sounds like it's excellent to awesome and then the ending's kind of a letdown hmm. and i guess that's the one where he on keeps dying over and over again is that the one it's like, yeah, it's like a futuristic... It l- looks a little bit like maybe they mixed um, Starship Troopers with Groundhog's Day sort of thing. <laughs> and I guess they really address the whole making things ha- that happen over... Rep- repetition se- repetitious scenes not be repetitious or boring. They're actually... It actually works it to where it's entertaining and and intriguing and i get and i guess the ending sort of and it has a little bit i think it has a little bit of a video game to it too you know right, where yeah. you you get well that's what i thought it. i thought it looked regenerated. like halo or something like that and i guess there is an element of that to it but it's it's all but it all plays toward the better of the, better of the story rather than to the detriment of it which you would expect so it's- I that mean, might be a rental for me, but it's got Tom Cruise in it. Tom so. Cruise, I know yeah. a lot of people hate. Uh, to, a lot of people hate on Tom Cruise. I don't think I'd ever want to meet Tom Cruise. He seems like an idiot, actually. <laughs> right. But I got, and he's been in a lot of idiotic movies, which I've avoided. You know, 
And I know it's going to be heresy, and I know the Hair Metal Hero and Dave Atterbury are going to be like, disown me. But like, I'm never going to watch Top Gun. No, no. don't, dude. N- not, not, not interested. Don't, don't I wasn't interested when it came out. That but kind like, of movie making other movies that I've seen him in, when he does comedic stuff, he's good. I remember Risky. He's, he's a good. He's a really good actor. Um, no. No, you know it's it's. It, I run <laughs> no, into the I same run into the same thing with Marky Mark. No, I'm not gonna say loving things about Tom Cruise. I will say though that uh, I I had to get past my prejudice of him not long ago, and just out of pure curiosity, I had to watch uh, Mission Impossible Three. Oh, because the, seen the other it's a Brad Bird one. Yeah, I hadn't seen the other ones. I didn't care at all anything about any of it, but I, I wanted to see it simply because it was a live-action Brad Bird, and I, I wanted to see how he did. And I enjoyed the hell out of it, despite Tom Cruise, not because of him. But I, I thought that was a fantastic flick. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. That's what I heard. I, I, it's funny. We had a very similar conversation. I can't remember who it was. And we were talking about the Mission Impossible movies. I think it was with Luke and uh, Sean and I. And um, Luke and I were... I I think it was Luke and I. Luke was out after the second Mission Impossible. I didn't make it to the second Mission Impossible. I watched the first one and was like, this is too... It's too convoluted. It was not entertaining to me. I didn't think it was very well done. So I just wrote it off after that. And then I remember thinking to myself... I'd sort of like, I remember the Brad Bird one coming out and everybody, like the critics were like, this is the act is an actual good movie out of a bad franchise or a mediocre franchise. And I considered seeing it, but then I was like, nah, I haven't, you know, I saw the first movie and I for- promptly forgot everything about it. So, uh, hmm. you know, I, I don't want to go back and rewatch it again, considering I really hated it. <laughs> so, I, you know, and I didn't want to just watch. But but I don't know. Now that you say that it, it like just watching it out of out of sync with the other ones is good. Maybe I'll uh, check it out sometime. And then here's the part where Nick Fury shows up to recruit him. That would be awesome. Oh, my God. Is that so, joke played out yet? So I have different <laughs> screensavers that pop up on my computer and a big giant gorilla one holding a skeleton in his hand just popped up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love my screensavers. Oh, man. I'm bummed. Yeah, I end know. End of Planet of the Apes month. That is the end of Planet of the Apes month. I hope you guys have enjoyed it, though. Please write into the show. Let us know what you have thought of uh, Planet of the Apes. Send in your own thoughts on uh, the different films and the episodes we did on them and all that fun sort of stuff. Now, and I was just going to say, after two months of X-Men month and, and Planet of the Apes month, you're probably expecting us to go, well, welcome back to format. But guess what? <laughs> Next month. Sort of. We're coming back to the monthly Mondays, but we've got another twist for you. Starting next Monday, it's Assistant Editors Month. <laughs> I am looking forward to I this. I am too. 
It is just like now, if anybody kind of gets the gag, it is, uh, you know, back in when was that? The 80s, sometime in the 80s, all of the Marvel editors left for kind of a, a company retreat powwow type of thing. And it was all turned over for a month to the assistant editors. And we got some really strange and wacky stuff that happened. And so essentially that's what Two True Freaks is going to do. You'll get your Star Wars Monthly Monday, your Star Trek Monthly Monday, your Comics Monthly Monday. They're going to be done by somebody else and we're not going to have anything to do with it. (laughs) Which is terrifying and exciting to me at the same time. (laughs) As it should be. Yep, the inmates are going to be running the asylum. Just just a little sneak peek. I I recorded, I actually, even though I'm... Since I'm not an editor on Back to the Bins, I have participated in one of the guest editor months, and I think we succeeded in not burning Back to the Bins down completely. <laughs> so, mission accomplished. Looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Beyond Assistant Editors Month? We don't know yet. We are... We're actually going to be talking about that right after we're done recording. We are. We are. We are going to be planning and plotting the future, but uh, I think it's an exciting time. Uh, I personally feel like we are at a bit of a crossroads with with Two True Freaks, and anything goes, so... Yeah, but it's not one of... When we say we're at a crossroads, I don't want people to think like, oh, they're running out of money, or, you know... (laughs) Yeah, let them think that. So they send more. Chris's dementia is kicked back in or, or something, and he's going to have to go back to the home or anything like that. No, we're just going to shake things up as we do at Two True Freaks. And uh, and uh, hope, well, I hope you like it. <laughs> I ain't going to have much choice, though. <laughs> If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
Every ape I see, from chimpan A to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Oh my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zayas. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. <laughs> 